Welcome again to our latest edition of the Emerging Futures of Education podcast. My name is Nick Burnett as host today. It gives me huge pleasure to welcome Gerd Leonard uh, along and I'll let Gerd introduce himself. Yes, hi everybody. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here today. Um, so I'm Gerd Leonhard. I'm based in Switzerland. I used to live in the US. I've been uh, a futurist for 15 years or probably longer than that even. Uh, I've written five books, The Future of Music, 2004, probably the most well-known one back then on the, on the music business, and a few other ones. And lately, last year or two years ago, uh, Technology versus Humanity, which talks about the, the rise of technology as a good thing and also as a not-so-good thing, and what it does for work and education and jobs. And it's uh, tech versus human.com, tech vs human.com. You can find all the details. It's out in 14 languages. Uh, and I've, I'm a global keynote speaker and I run my own agency of fellow futurists. Great. And look, I say, really, really grateful for your time and presence on this. I'm curious, before I get into asking you particularly your thoughts on education and learning, how did you end up becoming a futurist? Well, it was kind of accidental. You know, most people don't know what a futurist is. Uh, in fact, it's kind of normal in the US and Canada, maybe Australia, New Zealand, sort of the, you know, the five eyes, right? It, it, may be, uh, <laughs> common, it, it may be common there, but generally speaking in Europe, people don't really understand what a futurist is. And I certainly didn't until I became one. Uh, basically, I, I was a musician and producer uh, in the 90s. I lived in the US and then all of a sudden the internet came up and I ended up doing digital music stuff. I, I did something like Spotify in the late 90s, which was crazy. <laughs> of course, it was way too early. And so I realized I was very early. I was good at seeing what is coming, you know, not in the sense of prediction. I just had a good intuition as to what was happening. And uh, in 2004, I coined a phrase called music like water. And well, I didn't really coin it myself, but we, uh, in, the, in the research for the book that we wrote about, about music, we talked to David Bowie uh, and we connected to David Bowie's uh, uh, learnings on this and he said music will be like water and we said yeah that's it music will be like water <laughs> Excellent, uh, and and that became the mantra for the music business you know and which it is today and so i realized i was good at seeing and having good intuition and imagination about what is coming next and because of that the book became a success and people started calling me and saying can you talk about the future of music and publishing and media? And, and, and then it became really wide all of a sudden and pretty much any future, right? <laughs> and, uh, and then I realized uh, this was something I had a bit of a talent for. And, you know, but my work is not like Alvin Toffler or Ray Kurzweil or so. It's, it's less, probably less scientific because I'm not a scientist. And it's only really five to seven years, maybe eight years that I talk about what's coming rather than you know, 50 years. And, and my work is not about predictions, it's about foresight. Mm. And, you know, everybody can have foresight. You just have to work on it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not like that. It's not, it's not like being Jimi Hendrix or something, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's, right. it's like I'm not the Jimi Hendrix on futurism. I'm just, <laughs> just the, the average guitar player of futurism. So uh, basically, I think the foresight is really what it comes down to. And these days, you know, I think it's so important that companies, people, and states and governments. I have foresight and they understand mm. what is going to happen. Right? Um, and that's actually not that hard. You just have to take your time. So uh, to answer your question long-windedly, I am a futurist because uh, it just kind of fell into my lap. And then I realized yeah. this is, yeah, that's a good fit. 
Yeah, great, great story. Great to hear. And that's often the, the way the best things emerge in many ways, isn't it? In, in, in almost by accident as you fall into those sorts of things. So yeah. as I said to you, Gerda, our, our focus is very much on uh, education and learning. And uh, there's always a risk when I ask this first question, we, we descend into a mire of, of a pit of despair. But I'm always interested to ask it anyway. And, and then we'll very much hopefully come out of it the other side as to where things might go to or where they need to go to next. But what's your current thoughts on the current state of education and learning and that's obviously very broad given the global reach but uh from your own readings and your own experiences yeah it's you know generally speaking on the future i am an optimist you know i really believe that um we will have amazing options for us in the future uh, in terms of our own work and our, and our job and and generally speaking because the technology is now solving so many issues that are solvable, like let's say climate change, energy, uh, food, you know, and and you, all the practical stuff. Right? Technology will obviously not solve our cultural, political problems, <laughs> and our human problems because they're not technology and they can't no. they can't be solved that way. But I'm an optimist in the future. I think you know, as long as we are clear about what we want and who's in charge, and you know whether we can preserve our humanity uh, by creating protection measures around our humanity rather than you know basically everything becoming code or algorithms i think then we'll, we'll we may have sort of a star trek like future you know where where everything that we need is provided you know? <laughs> uh, because it's you know technology makes it possible uh, if we can find a way forward to collaborate so as far as education is concerned it's really quite clear that currently we're learning mostly the stuff that used to matter uh, in universities and colleges and schools, you know, we're learning stuff that is kind of the act of downloading information, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, of course, I went to school when I studied philosophy and, and, and all that stuff in, in the 90s, in, in the, well, not the 90s, the 80s. And then I went to music <laughs> school and it was the same thing, you know, the music mm. school, uh, I went to Berkeley College, which was, which was absolutely positively amazing as a school, right? Uh, and the best parts of, of the school, however, were not not the classes because the classes were like, you know, okay, practice, practice, practice until you can do your ear training, your download information, and then and then you're a good musician, right? But you know that's not true. A good musician is not is not being achieved by memorizing scales. You know? So uh, yeah, so, and we have the same problem today. If you have an MBA, you're gonna learn stuff that used mm. to work just fine you know, economic principles, planning, and so on. But in the real world, it's complete, it's VUCA, right? Volatile, uncertain, yes. complex. And so what we need to learn in, in school, no matter what level, is self-entrepreneurship, mm. innovation, creativity, design, negotiation, uh, human skills, emotional intelligence. You know, we need to learn the things that only we can do because if we learn things that a machine can do, uh, then machine will replace us. Uh, so if, if you go to a school for accounting and you learn and you learn the basics of accounting, that that's all very good to know. But in the end, you're going to sit next to a giant machine that will, in ten years, become invincible. Then what the machine can't do is it, it cannot imagine, it cannot it cannot connect, it cannot really understand, it doesn't. Uh, sympathize it doesn't emphasize it it doesn't it has no compassion right so that's our job and, and we have to learn that stuff in school rather than learning the allegedly safe you know standard yeah. skills right yeah 
Look, a few things emerged for me from that. And uh, we've got a, a, a friend in common, if I can call him that, Frank, Frank Diana. And I'd be interested on your take on this, because one of the things, and you mentioned Alvin Toffler a bit earlier as well, about this unlearning. And it's been something I've been interested to explore with a range of people, you know, this whole concept of unlearning. And Frank um, sort of nailed it for me at this precise moment, and you might go on and nail it in a different way, Gerd, but it was very much, he's talked about, well, not, it's not about, not about forgetting stuff that we generally learn as we go along, but actually unlearning particular mindsets. Uh, and yeah. I think, you know, when I'm talking to someone earlier today, you know, when you mention the word school, then we have a, most of us will have a fairly fixed mindset of what that means, and that hasn't largely changed <laughs> in a very long time. Uh, and I think there's a real shift in unlearning what we mean by education, uh, hence me talking about education and learning. So interested to hear your thoughts around this unlearning and education. Yeah, you know, I always say the future is a mindset. It's not a mm. time frame, right? The ah, future nice. is not about tomorrow. The future is here. Uh, but now we have to imagine the future. This is a question of what our mind does, right? Um, yeah. And like I said earlier, I think the the idea of, of knowledge like data and information, mm. right? I mean, data and information is, is uh, infinite now, and it can be achieved uh, at any given moment at the flick of a button. You can find out, you know, what the population of what town is or, you know, the, the facts. And you can now translate yourself in 50 languages very soon. That's going to be perfect, right? So, so basically, uh, in just five years, we're going to sit down and whatever knowledge we want, we can instantly achieve the data and information, which is not quite the same in knowledge, you know. Um, no. But it's, you know, the basics, we can learn anything, right? I mean, I do that now. People are asking me to come to China and speak about education. I do an instant Chinese uh, culture course in a week, right? Uh, in the prep going to the event, because it's possible now using video and audio and Twitter and social and so on. But the real question is, you know, a machine can have knowledge and information. Uh, it can have a certain kind of knowledge, like machine knowledge, right? Uh, so you can ask a machine, give me all the data points about all Chinese people who are doing X, Y, Z, and what, you know, those kind of things. But it will not understand. You know, understanding is a human skill right. that requires reading between the lines. Mm. You know, like, like, you know, when I speak to Frank about something, we know that we understand each other, but we haven't actually pronounced no. it. You know, no. uh, this is what called, it's what's called tacit information, you know, implicit things. And humans can conjure that very quickly. In fact, I think Minsky and Moravec, two important researchers, once said, our minds do best what we don't know. Right? So, I mean, it's like we're not, a, we're not aware of this, but we can just do it. Yes. And so I think this is really important when we talk about the education. You know, we're talking about knowledge. We're talking mm -hmm. about uh, knowledge in a deeper way. And that really means understanding. And understanding is not an algorithm. It's not logic. It's involves the entire organism, right? Mm. Um, and beyond that, it's wisdom, right? I mean, what I, mm. uh, in my work, I follow the, the, uh, the paradigm of the, of the Greek philosophers who talked about phonesis, which is uh, practical wisdom, right? Okay. So, yeah. uh, and, and this is not something that you can just learn. I mean, it's something that <laughs> you, can't, you can't download it, you know? It's something no. that you have to experience. And I think this is something we can't forget when we talk about education. This is yeah. not about taking an online course and learning all the facts about programming or 
or AI or whatever. It's about going inside. Right? It's about actually moving inside of something and having a complex and real understanding of it. That's what education, this is why people go to MIT in yeah. person, right? Even though they can download all the stuff for free online and they can attend the video classes for free or for next for free. Uh, but going to MIT, you emerge yourself in this thing and you, you basically become part of it. And that is what your education is, right? Yeah. And look, I think it brings to mind, very following on with the conversation with Frank sort of things. So I said, for me, how you're describing it is very much uh, my take on education. I think I only truly uh, understand through conversation, through the social element that's, that's implicit when, you know, uh, when we meet people, have conversations around things. And, and so we're talking with Frank, you know, is there, and I'll, I'll ask you the same question on, you know, is there going to be a need for schools in the future? Um, and don't, don't have to put a time frame on it, but just generally schools in the future. And, and I said to him, but what about the social element of learning? And, and Frank challenged me again in, in the way he does so well to say, you know, is that a mindset that I perhaps need to unlearn that my view of, of social is, is face-to-face, is physically being there with others, he said where different gen- younger generations might see that in a very different light and they can still yeah. have that interaction without physically being present with each other. But given but, your, but, but, your yeah, focus around humanity, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, Good. Yeah, I think that that is true in, in many ways, but it's also not true in many other ways. It's basically humans are holistic uh, creatures. Mm. You know, we're, we're not made out of silicon and I don't believe mm. that humans are just data. You know, no. uh, that we have lots of data to give, of course, and our brain is is more powerful than most computers. Yeah, uh, yeah. but but still, you know, we're not machines. I don't believe we are machines. Uh, that's a that's a philosophical debate. It may turn out in yeah. fifty years yeah. that a machine can copy us. Yeah, that yeah. may be possible, but that's a different story. So, if if we're you know if we're holistic, so the way that we learn and that we live is comprised out of hundreds of elements of intelligence and. Of, uh, of inputting information and digesting information, right? Um, and there hasn't been a computer or an AI that is anywhere close no. uh, to understanding how we do these things. Right? And that may eventually change our singularity and so on in 30 years. Mm. But for the time being, the way that we learn is both with taking in information and data like YouTube uh, and, and learning reports and reading books, right? But it's also with the interaction, right? Yes. I always say, you know, when I talk to people about my presentation, I say, you know, pe- people don't, things don't really happen in presentations. No. Uh, they happen, they happen in conversation. Yeah. Right? And, and this is important to realize. I am just the opening act, you know, when I speak yeah. somewhere. I'm just opening the conversation and then you have to sit down and have a really, a, a level discussion. You know, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to talk to some really famous people. Uh, in, in the past, in, including Bill Gates, long time ago, and and just mm. very short conversations, you know, really changed my life in so many ways, yeah. right? Um, and I think this is what education does; it triggers this complex change. And this is why I think we are we should be very careful about saying that this can be virtualized, you know, because yeah. The, yeah. the virtual experience is valid, is valid and interesting, but it's completely different. Yeah. This is just like you know using Tinder or online dating you know, dating apps, you know, it works. Yeah, it works. Lots of people are meeting each other, but it's different, right? It is. 
Yeah. Uh, and so I wouldn't knock it. I would say, okay, I, 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 I mean, I study online whenever I can, right? Yes. But I noticed, you know, my, my, one of my sons um, has been wanting to go to India for a long time. And, uh, and so he watched a lot of videos on YouTube about India, like, I don't know, 200 hours, right? And, but then when he actually went there, he said five seconds after, the, after getting to the market, the night market in Mumbai, he learned more about India than the 200 hours of YouTube. Mm. Yeah. And so I think we should not forget that we are human and because we're human, we interact. And our brains are wired for engagement and for relationships and for experiences. It's not wired like a computer. No. No, I'd agree with that. But, so what, what is it that's, and I, like, I fully agree with, with your take. I always say, look, I'm, I enjoy technology and I'm, I'm very interested in the, the role and impact that technology has. But there's nothing quite like physically sitting down with a person to have a conversation. So we can do this via Zoom or whatever else, but it's never quite the same for me as it is sitting in the same room as another person. So what, what's your thoughts on that? I think we're going to continue to have the physical experience because this is where the really deep stuff happens. Mm. I mean, why, why do people go to Burning Man, right? I mean, you know, yeah. it's like, uh, yeah, can you understand hanging out in the desert at, at uh, you know, really horrific tem temperatures and biting the dust? And why did they go there? Why don't they just watch the movie? Right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, well, it's not the same thing, right? And so it's not bad to watch the movie, but but I think for us, we have to realize as humans, this is where the actual thing happens. It's like we can say, okay, we don't need to have fancy dinners. We can just eat the nourishment yeah. from the from the tube, right? We, like astronauts, or we can, we yeah, can print yeah. print the steak or whatever, right? Um, but it's not the same, and, and I think it's fine, but it's not the same. And we should we should make sure that we have a combination of those two worlds, because one thing I'm worried about is that the virtual world. Mm. Uh, essentially becomes, uh, yeah, you could say like uh, overriding the yeah. importance of the real world. Yeah? Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Now, thanks for that. A couple of other things around education and learning that I think are, are blockers at the moment. And, uh, you know, and, and there's a, a third element to that. So I'll, I'll throw them all out there and you, you go wherever is uh, useful to go. So I think two of the, the blockers for me at the moment is what we're assessing you know, it's still, and we're assessing what is relatively easy to assess rather than what is important to assess. And, and, and for me, that's quite a big blocker, you know, in terms of where we go. But as much a blocker, and I'm a teacher through and through and, and, and know and interact with many wonderful teachers, but we're successful in, in the old paradigm of remembering facts, getting things right, you know, not, you know, knowing what the answer is, which is going to be largely less and less of use. Um, so I'm curious about your thoughts around, you know, what might we do? What, where have you seen some examples of shifts in how we, what we assess and, and then how we teach? Yeah, I think Einstein once said, uh, imagination is more important than knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. But, you know, keep in mind that Einstein was a genius, right? <laughs> Very uh, true. If he, if he actually said this, so he did have quite a bit of knowledge. Uh, and it's mm. it's one thing for him to say that, being a genius, than for <laughs> us to say the same thing. Uh, and I would I would agree. In the future, we're moving towards a world that's going to place much more emphasis on imagination, intuition, mm. uh, uh, foresight, and the sort of ephemeral, you know, art basically. Right? Yeah. You could say in so many ways, rather than the actual knowledge. I mean, in, in ten years, we're going to sit here. We're going to say. 
uh, to our wristwatch or the wall, we're going to say, show me a projection of revenue streams yeah. from this compared to that with forecast and analyze and so on. And boom, it'll be there, right? Yeah. And, and, and this is completely different than what we have today, which is when we don't know it, then we're not going to get any further, right? And I think the, the problem that we have today in so many ways is that we have a reductionism that yes. is taken over because it's like social networks, you know, they are reducing the quality of friendship and relationships down to a button, a like button, right? Um, yeah. And it's not a bad thing if, if, if we understood what it was, but we are yes. actually thinking this is actually real, right? And no, your friends on Facebook and LinkedIn are not real. <laughs> That's right. They are different. <laughs> I have 28,000 yeah. people on LinkedIn and, and <laughs> uh, I'm hard pressed to remember who they are. So, <laughs> right. you know, it's like yeah and some of them like frank where i constantly reconnect and we become friends mm. you know also through linkedin and and other places and that's entirely possible but the reductionism is a very dangerous thing which is to say okay for example you don't have to make an effort of meeting a man or a woman you can just use an app yeah right which i say yeah but if that's all you can do then so be it right but you know it's uh, the real effort of doing something is a human effort and without the effort mm -hmm. we don't get the result it's just different so if you're going to say that you're going to become uh, a, a musician right and then you download an ipad app and then you spend mm -hmm. 10 hours on the app and then you're a musician i would say yeah you're a certain kind of musician yeah but uh, to be a musician takes ten thousand hours yeah, yeah, yeah so, it's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. So yeah, I mean, you know, that that's not going to change just because we have tech. You know, if you no. were to implant the technology in your head, yeah, you know, like like Elon Musk is, is suggesting, yes, suggesting, that then you could bypass the uh, a lot of things. Yeah, but it would probably kill you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really I'm curious. A, a good friend of mine, we, we had conversations and he said the idea you could just as you say, download, you know, how to be a pianist sort of thing. But I think there's, you know, for me, again, I'm, I'm more drawn to your, your take, Gerd, is that there's something about the effort of learning that, that, that actually changes who you are and how you operate that wouldn't happen if it was just, you know, press a button and suddenly, you know, I could do you know, Mozart's eight or whatever well, yeah, else. I think, I think it's, it's a great illusion that we can, mm. uh, we can leave aside the work and get to the yeah. same results. You know, I think it's like, yeah. okay, it's like, I, I struggle with this every single day because I'm not a scientist. I haven't studied AI for eight years yeah. and I, I yeah. don't know the same. I don't have the same background no. as Jan Lacoon or, you know, and people who are leaders and, 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 and therefore I speak differently. Right. Yes. Um, and this is all I can do. Um, and I, sometimes I wish I could take a turbo charge like into my head from all <laughs> yes, the things right. that he knows or that they know, but, but this is not, this is not reality and it probably wouldn't be good because it would not be organic. It would, it would be, mm. it would be outside. And I think this is something that we have going as humans, uh, if, if we are careful to cultivate it, is that we are actually organic and we are limited in, in that. And that can be a great asset also. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I'm curious here, I'm going to push the boundaries a little bit because it popped into my head in our conversation. You know, I've written down the, the word assessment, but I'm wondering, you know, is that something we just need to let go of, the need to constantly assess what levels people are at and measure them? Because it's very much a factory, isn't it? It's that it's sort of reductionism down to something we can measure as opposed to you know, things that are a bit more ephemeral, uh, harder to measure, but actually, you know, 
if we're trying to cut everything down to something we can measure and OECD and PISA results, are we doing you know ourselves a disservice? Yeah, again, you're quoting Einstein or paraphrasing Einstein. I would say everything should be as measured as possible, but not more. Yeah. I think that, uh, yeah, measurement can be useful. And of course, yeah. we use it all the time. But but it can also, like, you know, you say, you're, for example, you, you value the, you're looking at the value of people, so to speak, um, by their amount of connectivity, right? So you, if you're looking mm. at my Twitter feed, I got, what, 47,000 followers on one feed and 50 on the other and so on. And you're looking at those numbers and you're saying, okay, yeah, clearly he's important, right? Well, you know, this is utterly false and ridiculous, right? I mean, the numbers, how you measure me, you know, in my social network have absolutely zero to do with my value. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. And it, it can be faked, it can be beefed up, and, and it, it doesn't mean, I mean, you know, look at the people with 2 million followers, and they were just lucky enough to be there in the first week of Twitter, you know? No, um, right, yeah. And yeah. I mean, so there's all kinds of things about this, but essentially measurement has to be much more careful and also mm. more ephemeral. Like, you know, if you meet a person for five minutes or three minutes, then you can say, you know, okay, I think I realize what, what is the value of this person is, right? And whether I appreciate them or not. And, and this is why I think personal interviews will remain the critical yeah. part of HR. I would personally never work for a company that makes me sit in front of an, an augmented reality camera and, and nah. do some funny uh, drive-through test. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's dehumanizing. Yes. Uh, yeah, and this is just like, you know, the data is very important and can be used. It's kind of like TripAdvisor. You know, TripAdvisor mm, is very mm. useful. But is it the truth? Absolutely not. <laughs> right? there, there, there is no such thing as the truth when it's about no, restaurants. No. You know? uh, but, but TripAdvisor is extremely helpful. But would I trust it like I trust, you know, a good friend to tell me, go here? No. No, no. So, so well, I think that's the, that's the difference, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really, really helpful. And, and thank you for sharing that. So just a couple of quick questions to finish off on. One is we've talked, you know, and quite rightly, and I knew it would be a lot around the, the human element. And, and But, you know, you've also talked about some of the amazing opportunities, which is there a technology that excites you most, I guess, with in terms of what positive difference it can make to our lives? I, I think there's a lot of technology that's really exciting. Uh, mm. I'm of the opinion that uh, we need to use technology as a tool and then we have yeah. to be careful to put it back into its place. <laughs> Very you know, like, 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 you know, we have cars and people love cars and I, I don't have a car anymore, but I used to love it. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, but there's people obsessed with cars, right? And, and it's like, yeah, that's probably not, uh, that's probably not something we should lean towards too, too mm. much. Like television, you know, People are addicted to television. It doesn't need Facebook. Right? I mean, Americans watch 6.5 hours, used to be 8.5 hours a day uh -huh. in average, right? Yeah. Talk about addiction, right? Yeah. Uh, so so it's, this is about the balance. So I'm excited about many technologies, for example, um, like I got excited about the music business moving to the cloud. And I'm yeah. really happy and excited about Spotify and, and likewise services, which have unlocked the music universe for so many people, right? Um, but also I'm really excited about stuff like intelligent assistance mm, as yes. long as I, as long as I don't get too close about you know trying to, to uh, chime in where they shouldn't 
Yes. Um, yeah. and, and where I don't get hooked on like, you know, living with them as if they were my own yeah. copy of myself, right? But imagine, I mean, a digital assistant, this is going to be reality very soon. Right now I'm here sitting here researching and saying, okay, uh, let's find out about the use of artificial intelligence in, in the logistics, right? Uh, yeah. And I, I Google and I read and I spend 20 hours and, and, you know, so I form an opinion. If I can get a digital assistant to say what is the most valuable realization about AI and logistics, right? And the assistant is actually clever, you know, and I, I can get a real answer, uh, you know, a, a contextual answer. That would Absolutely. be probably 10, 10 years away. <laughs> that would be amazing, right? So I, yeah. I'm very, very excited about that. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very similar to my view. We, with Learn Tech Lab, we talk a lot about augmenting. If it, you know, if it doesn't help a student learn better, a teacher teach better, a lead, lead, leader lead better, then, then why, why are we doing it? Because we can get caught in the, uh, the bright shininess of, of the technology and all of that. So well, just one, one There's a substantial challenge for us is that first yeah. technology becomes uh, magic, right? Like the iPhone or Spotify or whatever. And then in some, in many cases, it becomes kind of uh, uh, manic, right? So we, we, we love it so much that we do too much of it. And to a certain degree, we can live with that. It's kind of overbearing, but obsessive. But uh, yeah, we can, we can say, okay, no cell phones while we have dinner and things like that, right? But then at a, at a later stage, it becomes toxic. It's a poison, right? It's becoming yeah. toxic yeah. And, and, and poisoning our environment. And we have to be very careful about too much poison and yeah. we die, right? Absolutely. Uh, and, and so if we have more relationships with our screen than we have with people, then we die. Yeah. I yeah. mean, loneliness yeah. is the biggest killing factor yes. in, yeah. in the world today. It's not yeah. actually drugs or alcohol or whatever, or no. terrorism, right? It's, no. it's that. And, and so we have to be very careful, I think, about, about that. I'm very excited about virtuality or, or augmented reality for professional purposes Yes, uh, yeah. but you know it, it's it's the same thing. Everything that you can be excited about, you can also <laughs> worry about. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. and so we are, it, it takes some balance, and the balance is what we have. For example, you know, if you don't balance food, uh, if you're excited yeah. about food and you don't balance it, you you're going to be obese, right? And yeah. you're going to die eventually. I mean, there's many reasons for obesity, but but uh, then if you overdo things. You know, like any drug, alcohol, beer, whatever, right? Uh, if you're out of balance, you are in deep trouble. Right? And the same goes for technology. Yeah, absolutely. So one, one final thing. We always like to sort of initiate people to do something as a consequence of listening to the podcast. So what would be a, a, a call to action or something to read or anything, uh, Gerd, you would recommend that people do as a consequence of listening? Yeah, I think, I think as a consequence, it would be nice to think about what are the skills of the future and do you have them? Yeah. Right? And, and can you learn them? Uh, the skills of the future and clearly are the human skills. So emotional intelligence, understanding, foresight, creativity, design, uh, imagination, and so on. Of course, everybody has those skills. But, but how, do you, how would you nurture those skills? Right? Uh, and the other, the other action item is if you have kids, you got to think about what you want them to learn. Right? And the answer is uh, they should be learning something that machines can't do. 
Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And and what is that? Well, it's all the human stuff, right? So I'd rather have my kids go to to uh, you know uh, uh, what you might call it uh, Rudolf Steiner school <laughs> or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You know, I'd rather. I, I mean, of course, I want my kids to have technical knowledge. I'm a geek, you know, so I, of course I want that. <laughs> but for my kids, it's too well. You know, they're 25 and 30, so it's kind of too late for that. But but uh, I I want them to know what it means to be human. Uh, and, and that's the only thing that we're going to have in the future, let's say 20 years, uh, when technology is everywhere. That's something that we should not allow machines to have mm. or to do. Mm. Yeah. And we should have clear boundaries by saying, okay, you are not going to decide on social policy and uh, an AI isn't going to be president. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, maybe already is a president. <laughs> we won't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Brilliant. Many, many thanks for your time, Gerd. How do, and we'll put information in the, in the show notes. But how, how can people best reach you? Yeah, so uh, my blog is very substantial and it's been around for yeah. a long time. It's a future with Gerd. So G-E-R-D, that's like gastrointestinal reflux disease, same thing. So yeah. futurewithgerd.com. That's our main website. And of course, on YouTube, I'm, I'm Gerd, G-E-R-D. Just look for Gerd, you'll find it. Uh, it's, also a, it's also a shortcut, um, uh, GerdTube.com. That's a shortcut for my channel. And of course, my book, Technology Amenities, on Amazon yes. worldwide yeah. in 14 languages and tech versus human. And Twitter is G. Leonhardt, which is a little bit hard to remember, but just search for me on Twitter. Put the links. Yeah, yeah, no, great. And I've recently uh, watched and shared your uh, short video that was uh, really, really helpful, and as as they always are. So, look, really, oh, yeah, really yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah. your I time. About that, you know, we should definitely <laughs> the new, the new <laughs> film has been out for two weeks and already got. That's uh, right. Yeah, no, it's excellent. Views. It's how the future works. TV. Thank you. Um, that's the uh, URL, and you you get to the to the movie's webpage. It's a five minute film on the future of work training. It is. How the future works. TV. Highly recommend it. Brilliant. Many thanks, Gerd. Thanks for your time.